Amen. All right. Hey, go ahead. Open up your workbook. Huh? Haven't said that in a while. I'm excited about that. Hey, by the way, welcome back our Bahama missionaries. Cancun? Never mind. Our missionaries who went out of country somewhere at some foreign land who are now back with some screaming tans, by the way. Uh, but uh, yeah, even on top of living in Las Vegas. But that's right. Go ahead and turn if you'd like to. Uh, in fact, let me put this down because I want to uh, demonstrate this because this is a very momentous occasion. And your workbook there, lesson four, okay, Hinduism, we've already covered. So turn to uh, uh, a page over to where it's Buddhism, okay? Go ahead and turn at it. You guys see it there? All right, we're right there. All right, now take a look at that page. Take a look at that page really good. In fact, let's stare at that page for three seconds in a moment of silence. Because that's all we're doing with that page tonight. I'm not even going to get to it. we got so much to cover just on an intro. Uh, man, I tell you what, we got a lot of stuff to deal with tonight. And basically what I want to do before I get to that is what we're going to see is Buddhism, okay, is an offshoot. We're on the fourth issue, okay, and that is Buddhism is an offshoot of what we just went through for six weeks, and that is Hinduism, okay? But uh, as you take a look at the studies, there's a bunch of other, if you will, sub-religions Okay, sub-religions that are also spinoffs of Hinduism, and that's what I wanted to cover uh, tonight and probably run into the uh, next week, Lord willing, and uh, we're going to take a look at those and, of course, end on Buddhism, which is more the majority, but there's a bunch of little spinoffs. Now, as we go through these little spinoffs, I hope you're going to start to realize that they're not only, again, root out of Hinduism, okay, but you're going to see that a lot of these even smaller ones okay, have already impacted the American culture and our mindset, their terminology, their verbiage, and frankly, even people's belief systems, and they have no clue, okay? And uh, so let's begin that journey tonight. Now, we're going to start off with the first one. First uh, one is the Baha'i faith. How many guys have ever heard the Baha'i faith? Okay, Baha'i faith, basically, some people want to say it's like New Age. Certainly, as we're going to get to that, that's the next uh, section we're going to deal with New Age, uh, deals with, uh, is a lot of that aspect. New Age basically gets it from all different kind of angles, including Hinduism, Buddhism, Baha'i, the whole nine yards, okay? But, but there is some similar core beliefs with the Baha'i faith. So let's take a look at that one uh, first tonight, and what does Baha'i uh, teach? Okay, let's take a look at that. Now, there's over 5 million Baha'is in 236 countries around the world t- today, Okay. So it's not as big as Hinduism, but it's still pretty prominent, okay? And uh, it was started by a young Persian merchant. His name is Sayyid Ali Muhammad, okay? Who took the name, here's the name he chose, uh, Bab, okay? My theory is, Tom, it was way easier to spell than the other one in kindergarten, right? But I can't even pronounce that one, right? But no, actually, uh, Bab, it means in Arabic, it means gate or door. So he's the gate, he's the door. Right, and boy, isn't that where it always starts? And he announced one day that he was the bearer of divine revelation, which would change the spiritual life of humanity. Okay, and one of his primary teachings was that there would be a second messenger, not just him, a second messenger from God that's greater than him, and this second messenger's mission would bring about basically an age of utopia, peace, and uh, uh, justice to our planet, okay? Now, this second messenger that he supposedly talked about was supposedly realized in this guy, Mizra Hussein Ali, okay, who called himself Baha'u'llah, which means glory of God. Now, this guy was born into a wealthy noble family in Persia. I don't know if he had so much money, he didn't know what else to do with his life, and decided he was going to become a false messiah. I don't know, but that's kind of his background as well. Now, he claimed that he had a vision from God. Now, isn't that where it always starts? God told me. Remember those words? Somebody comes up to you and tells you, God told me, run. 
Okay, outside the Bible, stick with the Bible. You can't be steered in the wrong direction. Okay, but he had this supposed vision that it was God showing him the will of humanity while he was in prison. Usually doesn't back up your story too well when that's where you're at. Okay, but anyway, so he shared that he was the promised one that this bad guy said was going to come and bring in this age of prosperity and all that stuff, okay? Uh, he is seen as the latest prophet or the manifestation of God given to mankind, right? Now, what does that start to sound like? The latest prophet. Remember in Hinduism we saw it? What's the term that they use? Avatar. Remember that? Avatar, these different messengers, and that's what he thought he was. He was just the latest one. Again, you could tell how it's bleeding in with the thoughts of Hinduism, okay? Uh, the prophets also include, according to these guys, Moses, Jesus, Abraham, Krishna, Muhammad, Buddha, and Act is always in there, Ruth, makes in there, whose purpose was to create the world's great religions and to show humanity how to worship God. And that is a new age concept. That's kind of a, a new age concept uh, uh, in Hinduism as well, that all religions basically are trying to teach us the same thing, right? And that's, no, it's not true, as we're seeing in our study, diametrically opposed. Okay, but that's what he believed. Now, Baha'u'llah was in prison or exile for 40 years. So this whole thing took place while this guy's in prison. Near, near, near. <laughs> so he's in prison, right? And he wrote over 100 volumes of religious writings that the Baha'i community uses as their sacred scriptures, so to speak. Okay? And he died in exile, right? So this guy was supposedly this Messiah guy, right? And uh, he got this vision in jail, and he died in exile, and just, okay, I guess it's right, Wow, not much of a foundation, okay? Rather, when Jesus makes predictions about he's the Messiah, what does he do? He proves it with what? Miracle after miracle after miracle, and he rose again from the grave, which last time I checked is a pretty big deal, okay, as we saw there. Now, the basic teachings, okay, you're going to see that their teachings are very similar, again, uh, to Hinduism. Uh, their version of God, they believe that even though individuals of different, listen to this, tell me this is not the attitude in a lot of people today, and they don't even realize that it comes from the Baha'i faith. Okay, even though individuals of different religions pray to God by different names, they're still praying to the same God. How many of you guys have heard that one? I would just listen to somebody else just telling testimony how they say, oh, that's what we can do. We'll, we'll, we won't say God when we witness to Muslims. We'll just say Allah. Excuse me, not the same God. Right? But that mentality that it doesn't matter which God, that's where this comes from. Baha'u'llah taught that human beings cannot understand God uh, completely or have a clear picture of him. Is that true? No, hello, what, what, what's this book for? To prop up the coffee table? Hope not. No, this, where do you find out about God? Uh, it's right here, and you can get an idea of hello who God is. He wants us to know who he is. They say that no one can actually see God because he doesn't have a body. Well, wait a second, what does that deny right there? That Jesus literally was God in the flesh, right? I exactly. Uh, what one learns about God is through prayer and meditation. There it is. Get yourself into an altered state of consciousness. Ooh. And then, of course, you can absorb it through different so-called sacred scriptures. And isn't that what people do today? Which is a new age mindset. I'll just take a little bit of Christianity, a little bit of Buddhism, throw in some Baha'i, sprinkle on some of this and that, and hey, that's where this mindset comes from. They believe that God chose different revelations throughout history to show his will. And again, this was all these different avatars or prophets. And of course, but guess who's supposed to be the latest one? This guy, Baha'u'llah, who was in prison and died in exile. Okay, but anyway. Uh, and, but they also believe these manifestations, that they're all equal. Right? That there's Jesus is no better or worse than Moses. Jesus is no better or worse than Buddha, Muhammad, etc., blah, blah, blah. Haven't you heard that mindset today? Right? Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. He was a great teacher. But, you know, he's no different than, you know, like Confucius or Muhammad. That's Baha'i. Most people spout this stuff off, and they don't even know the root 
of where this is coming from. Uh, they also believe that uh, there's only one religion in the world, and guess who gets to be that one? Baha'i, the prison guy died in exile, religion guy. So <laughs> it's on the top. So, uh, and uh, uh, they also believe that uh, the implication of this is that there's also going to be a future guy. So this guy, even though he said he's it, he's the latest one, the biggest, latest avatar, he believed that there was going to come one in the future. Okay. Now, this mindset is, again, very big in New Age, right? Because they do believe that there is going to come another uh, avatar. There's going to become another uh, entity, a religious figure come to bring peace to humanity. Now, the Bible talks about that person, too. And guess what they're called? The false prophet and the antichrist. Right? New Age, when you, when you and I use terms like antichrist, they think that's good. When you and I say, in New Age, we'll get to this later, Lord willing, when you and I say uh, Lucifer, when we say Satan, bad guy, they say, oh, no, he's a good guy. Right? Okay? But that's what they think. New Age and these guys say, no, this, this next guy, there's going to appear in the future. This religious figure, he's going to bring in and usher in this great time of utopia on the planet. That mentality is coming from these guys and New Age, except they say it's a good thing. The Bible warns, no, it's not. It's part of the Antichrist kingdom. Don't fall for it. Okay, but listen to what they believe is going to come in in this future period on the planet, in the Baha'i faith, okay, in this peaceful, loving, uh, utopia, global society. Okay, this is what they believe. Now, as I read through some of these things, and you think about what's going on globalism, what's being pushed not only in the United States, but through the UN and other uh, governmental organizations around the world, the basically New World Order, you tell me, uh, if these aren't the exact same things that are being pushed today to prepare for this false utopia. Okay, but they believe that this new world on the planet coming is going to be full equality of men and women being pushed today, right? And of course, their equality is not the same thing as biblical equality, right? Men and women are equal. You know, the old classic saying that, you know, men aren't above women because, you know, in the Bible, God took Eve not from, you know, the head, you know, his ear or something so that she was above and you know, and God didn't take her from the little toe so he could be on top and took her from the rib because she was equal. <laughs> right? But basically, the biblical unity, I mean, we have different functions, we have different roles, okay, but we're, we're still one, right, is the thing. But that's not their version of equality. Basically, feminism, right, I, I can do everything that a man can do and all this stuff, and i got to prove. And, and basically, they're trying to achieve that unisex, right, make men more like women and women more like men and that's not biblical unity, okay? But anyway, to full equality for men and women, taking away all forms of prejudice. Is that being pushed today? Of course, their version of prejudice, what? Come one, come all, accept anything, including immorality. Okay, oneness of religion, a universal religion on the planet. Yeah, the Bible talks about that. You don't want to be a part of that, though. Okay, uh, the one more religion. Taking away, listen to this, taking away extreme poverty and extreme wealth on the planet. What's going on all over the world right now through globalism? A re, what's the other the phrase we use today is called redistribution of wealth, right? They believe this is going to help usher in this utopia on the planet. Universal education and individuals seeking religious truth for themselves. What's the mindset of people today? Don't tell me what to believe. Who are you to have a corner on the truth? Who makes you? I can determine what's right and wrong. And that's what they believe. And listen, forming a commonwealth of nations. All the nations on the planet will come together. What's that sound like? New world order, one world government. So a lot of this new age, Baha'i, is, they, but again, the problem is they think it's a good thing. The Bible's only book says, uh-uh, you don't want to be a part of that kingdom. The afterlife, they believe that heaven and hell are not literal places where people go after death. They're only descriptions of an individual's spiritual journey towards the light of God, right? 
the nature of mankind, they don't believe that physical desires of humans are not evil or bad. Excuse me? So uh, if a person desires rape, that's not evil? Or greed or robbery or murder, that's not evil? They're all good? What? What? Are you serious? Okay. Uh, and of course, they got their own sacred writings, which not only include the writings of this bad guy while he was in jail, and that's right, Reed died in exile. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but also the writings of his son, and also the Bible and the Quran and various other so-called sacred writings. So come one, come all. Right? It's kind of the mentality, okay? Uh, but again, it's very similar to Hinduism, as we recall the last six weeks in our Hinduism study. They both have avatars, right? I think that's an easy thing we just talked about. Hinduism, the Brahman is believed to be the absolute reality. And in the Baha'i faith, although they have, you know, there's different views of different things, but they all lead to what they believe is also the absolute reality. Uh, you look at their ethical and moral teachings of Hinduism, Baha'i, very, very similar. In fact, Baha'i, what they do to, quote, reach out to people is they literally purposely adjust their verbiage to reach out to those people. All right, let me give you a couple examples. Uh, first of all, uh, the Baha'i teachings, uh, what they do is they, they take their songs, okay, and their literature, and they purposely have woven in Hindu names and deities and holy places, okay, so that the Hindu culture of it goes, well, this is just like what we believe. And so they then just kind of gobble it down. Is that going on today with people? Change the terminology, slap some Christianese on it, and somehow it becomes Christian. That's Baha'i. And people have no idea where this comes from. Okay? So that's spinoff number one. Again, we're taking a look at spinoffs before we get to, because that's what Buddhism is. We're going to see, Lord willing. But we're taking a look at spinoffs of Hinduism. Okay? The next one we're going to come out with is Jainism. Okay? Or Jainism, however you want to pronounce it. Now, Jain... In the ism, there simply means conqueror, okay? Conqueror is what that word means, as in conquer from the bondage of this world. Now, what does that kind of sound like? Right out of the gates before we get into it. It's kind of like the bond, you know, to escape the cycle of reincarnation, karma, and all that stuff, because that's where this comes from. It's a spinoff of Hinduism, okay? It's based on the teachings of this guy named uh, Mahavira, and uh, he thought that a life of self-denial was the way to achieve enlightenment, right? You've got to escape this, you know, reincarnation somehow, okay? And here's what he did. Mahavira uh, wandered naked and mute through India for 12 years. I don't know that I would say anything either if I had to walk around for 12 years without any clothes. What could you say? But anyway, so, and, and then not only that, he endured hardship and abuse. Turn to somebody and say, well, duh. Put some clothes on, buddy. I'm not condoning somebody beating you up, but come on. Right? So, anyway, so he wanders around, kitchen you not, for 12 years with no clothes on, right? And after this, he took on disciples, preaching a newfound belief, right? And uh, he was named, of course, the 24th Terhunkara, the latest and greatest of the Savior beings. Well, what does that sound like again? Back to your avatar, another manifestation, right? This guy's got the truth. It's the same thing. It's Hinduism. Uh, just change the names. Now, according to their writings, the Jain writings, this Mahavira guy descended from heaven, committed no sin himself. Excuse me, how about lewd public behavior? Lewd public behavior. <laughs> Burn people's eyeballs out. You say, what? Okay, but he committed no sin, and through meditation, that's right, in altered state of consciousness, he freed himself from all earthly desires. Excuse me? Okay. Uh, obviously, this is an extreme form of legalism is what is going on there. It's just a bunch of rules and regulations, okay? Rules and regulations. It's a works-based salvation, right? Because basically, the whole impetus of Jainism is severe, strict denial. I mean, of everything, right? 
and somehow through this severe, strict denial, you're going to escape reincarnation, right? And get rid of all your bad karma, okay? Again, it's Hinduism. There's no freedom in this religion, just rules, and primarily taught by what is called the five great vows. How's that for marketing? That sure beats the four so-so vows, which really doesn't catch on. So it's the five great vows. <laughs> Join us with apparently no clothes on, walking around for 12 years and getting beat up. I don't want to follow that religion. But anyway, so here's what they basically, these five great vows are. So if you're going to escape karma, you know, the bad effects of karma and break out of this, you know, this is what they teach, and you're going to get out of the reincarnation cycle, then here's what you got. Number one, you can't kill any living things. Okay, number one. That's that ahimsa. Remember we saw that with Gandhi and Hinduism, right? Can't kill living things. Number two, no lying. Number three, no greed. Number four, no sexual pleasure. And number five, no worldly attachments. In fact, listen to this. Women were to be avoided entirely because they thought they were the cause of all kinds of evil. Now, those of you men who moved and then laughed, you're going to find out what evil is on the way home. No, actually, actually, one guy says, maybe there's a little bit of truth to this. Open your Bible to Revelation chapter 8. I came across this. Revelation chapter 8. Let's take a look here. If you find the dictionary, what do you do? Hang a left. Right? Revelation chapter 8. And uh, listen to what this says. This is wild, man. All right? Now, it's during the seven-year tribulation. Bad time. Don't want to be there. Okay, but listen to what happened. It gives us kind of a little sneak peek of what's going on in heaven. All right? It says this, now, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for how long? Now, some people try to say that's why there's not going to be any women in heaven. <laughs> now, those of you men who laughed at that one, you're in double trouble. And by the way, can somebody give me a ride home? Because my wife's right there. <laughs> can you believe that? Hey, I didn't say that. Jay Vern McGee did, so I'm getting that off my back. So, but that's a classic. I don't know, but I, I don't go there. But anyway, but uh, anyway, the point is that's what they believed. All women, you're the evil source of evil, etc. Blah blah, which fits into their fourth vow: that five great vows, no sexual pleasure. Now, like all false religions, Jainism is obviously incompatible with Christianity. Excuse me. The Bible condemns uh, 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 the worship of any god apart from the one and only true living God. So this Mahavira guy, obviously he was not God, he was man, he was born, and yes, he did sin, and he died. Okay, uh, God by definition uh, is eternal. Second, the Bible makes it clear that following the teachings, any kind of teachings you want to come up, there is no way you're going to earn your salvation. It's only a free gift from God, you can't do it, etc., uh, etc. Et it's only through faith in Jesus Christ. And just like the Jewish people of the day when Jesus came the first time, what did Jesus say about the Pharisees? Remember all the when we went through our chapter on Judaism? Remember all the rules they came up with? You couldn't spit on the ground because if you spit on the ground, then the spittle would hit the dirt. And when it hit the dirt, the trajectory and the force of the spittle would, would roll, and that rolling in the dirt is similar to plowing and plowing his work. That's why you can't spit on the ground. You can't, right? Remember all that goofy stuff, all these rules? And what did Jesus say when he got on the scene with those guys? Excuse me, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, dead man's bones and, and you go over land and sea to win a single commerce to do all these traditions of men which you don't even do yourself by the way and you make him twice as much the son of hell as you are he said come to me my yoke is easy that's, that, that's a burden my yoke is easy my burden is light right? all these man made well this is what Jainism is 
Okay, just a bunch of, no, you can't, okay, same thing, totally different. Finally, Jainism's two great vows, two of their great vows, contradict God's word, obviously. Uh, obviously, greed and lying and worldly attachments, that's to be commended, okay? But avoiding sexual pleasure, uh, if taken to the extreme, that would mean the end of mankind, right? When God created man and woman, what did he say? Get out there and go shopping. No, he said get out there and <laughs> you'll procreate, have babies, right? Okay, so sexual pleasure in the context of men and women and God's design of marriage is great. It's a blessing from God, okay? And uh, by the way, uh, this is uh, one of the problems with the homosexual issue and lesbian issue is on the one hand, you want to sit there and literally say that God made you that way, yet now you're making God out to be a liar. Because when he made male and female, he said, get out there and procreate. And one thing that will never happen in homosexuality and lesbianism, and you will not have kids. You can't have kids. So now you've now you got a contradiction. God said, go procreate, but you're saying he made you that way. Don't think so. It goes against the order, okay? But this is Jainism is saying it's bad. No, it's not. In the context, uh, context of, of the biblical marriage and male uh, and female. Also, they're, uh, again, forbidding of killing anything. Ahimsa directly contradicts both Old and New Testaments that says God gave mankind animals for food, okay? So you're saying you can't kill anything, that, that contradicts the Bible. So turn to somebody and say this. Bacon is yum yum. Go ahead. In my tum-tum. Isn't that good? Let's close in prayer. No, we got a long ways to go, guys. Don't, don't even tempt me. Okay, we're going. But let's take a look at it. Jainism and Hinduism, obviously, uh, very similar because, as you can tell, they both have a belief in reincarnation karma, right? So, again, this is just a spinoff, a spinoff. But you're going to see, even in these little spinoffs, again, you're going to see elements of our verbiage, even in the Western society, people's behavior, people's mindsets, and they don't even realize not only directly where it comes from, they don't even realize it goes back to the root of Hinduism. Again, they, they have done a fantastic job of witnessing to us even over in here. Uh, both of those uh, uh, have that uh, mentality. Again, karma, reincarnation, heavy, etc., etc. Now, the next one is the big one, Zoroastrianism. Say that one. Or never mind, okay? But that's based on a guy named Zoroaster. Well, at least he came up with something, right? Just throwing ism on it, right? How many guys have ever worshipped at Reedism? That's good. So that would be unbiblical, but Debbie feels uncomfortable. I'll just move on. But anyway, that's right. No. right so this guy's named Zoroaster. That's his, the religion Zoroastrianism. Okay, now he's another Iranian guy. Right? He's supposed to be an Iranian prophet and philosopher. Uh, and this is very, I'm, I'm not going to get into this, but it's very similar to another sub-religion called Mazdaism, right? So you worship that car and go zoom, 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 zoom. No, no. But that is where they get that name for that car is it actually is supposed to be a, a, a deity, okay? Uh, a false deity, obviously. Uh, Zoroastrianism today, it's mainly in the areas of the Middle East, Iran, and India. Uh, in India, they got overtaken by the Muslims and they fled over to uh, 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 or the, uh, in their Persia, they got overtaken by the Muslims, so they fled to India and uh, came from Persia, which they called the Parsis. So in India, they called this religion Parsiism, okay, because that's where it came from, okay. But this guy uh, claimed that, uh, once again, uh, that this religion uh, is the one that influenced Christianity uh, and Judaism. No, don't think so. As we already demonstrated before, this is an older religion, but it is not the oldest. Even Hinduism, which is one of the oldest 
but it is not the oldest. And that's why I belabored that in the last section on Hinduism. What came first? The biblical account and all religions are spinoffs after the Genesis 11 Tower of Babel account when God confused the languages and everybody went that way. That's when you had the spinoffs, but the biblical root has always been the oldest, okay? And this one is ridiculous for this guy to say it because he's not even close to the date, okay? Hinduism still was far out, but this guy's like way removed, okay? The, the uh, contrast uh, in, in about the 5th century BC is when this appeared on scene. Biblical account way, way before that, and certainly Hinduism, okay? But that's what they, uh, they believe uh, as well. But anyway, he states that active participation in life through good thoughts, good words, and good deeds is necessary to ensure a great life, okay? Which sounds okay. Now, you don't know it yet, necessarily, but that's very similar to Buddhism. As we're going to see in Buddhism, it's just about doing the right things, right work, right deed, right this, right that, okay? So that's a little bit similar on that aspect. There's also various rituals that must be observed to ensure your salvation, so it makes it a what? Works-based salvation, okay? Again, in stark contrast to Christianity, uh, the prophet Zoroaster uh, supposedly received what he recorded in the Avesta. This is what they call their, quote, sacred writings, the Avesta, okay? And that'd be like their version, if you will, of a Bible. From a vision, uh-oh, here it goes again. He got a vision. That's how it all started. Okay, from Vohumana, okay? It's supposed to be some sort of an angel, okay? While drawing water from the Daiti River. Stop drinking the water, get out of the sun. D-A-I-T-I, however you want to pronounce that. I pronounce Daiti. So, but uh, anyway, so that's where he got this vision, there by the river, okay? Now, it's actually very similar uh, to uh, the, the issue that's going on with Muhammad. Remember Muhammad, he went into the cave, right? And remember, if you guys recall, back in their own, their own writings, they admit that when he first, oh, the spirit appeared, he kind of freaked out and thought it was an evil spirit. Remember that? And then later, his family was kind of like, no, 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 it's got to be good. It's got to be good. Hey, Allah wouldn't lie to you, buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's the angel Gabriel. That's who it is. Remember that? And then he wrote all this stuff down, and then later, way far removed, somebody wrote all this stuff down and we're, they're supposedly got it right. Even if it was right in the first place, which it wasn't. Similar issue that's going on with this guy. This guy got this vision near this river from the supposed angel being, whatever it is. Okay, And again, it was passed down for about 300 years word of mouth before it ever got recorded. Okay, For a long time. And that's what, uh, that was uh, Muhammad. And it's the same thing with this guy. Okay, he was the single source for this whole thing, and then somehow, supposedly, we're assuming they got it right. Even if it was right, but again, it wasn't even right. Now, very, very similar, again, uh, to Hinduism. Even the Hindu gods, uh, very similar. You got uh, Yama, Varuna, and Mitra in, in uh, uh, Hinduism. These guys got the same thing. In fact, they even play the identical roles, like Yama in Hinduism and also Zoroastrianism uh, is both the lord and, of death and ruler of the underworld. Varuna and Mitra are also divine deities uh, of the sun and moon and, and things of that nature. Both of them, uh, uh, they have uh, sacred uh, sacrifices, uh, and even the verbiage for the names are very similar. Right? Uh, for instance, in Hinduism and the Vedic practices, uh, they're called, the sacrifices are called yajna. In Zoroastrian, they're called yasna. Okay? Both use fire in their sacrificial ceremonies. And, uh, in, and also in uh, Hinduism, uh, the Vedic tradition, the priest is called the hatur. In Zoroastrian, it's called the zatur. Right? Okay. Uh, both traditions have similar names for water. It's both called apa, va'u is air. 
and they both have celestial beings uh, that has musical talents called, uh, in Hinduism, it's called the Gandharvas, and Zoroastrian is Gandharva. Come on. It's just, it's, again, it's just a spinoff. Uh, there. And again, what happened is they got invaded by the Arab Muslims, destroyed their empire in that area, and they went to uh, India, and then they began to start uh, again over there. Now, the next one, we got a little subtitle there. These guys, you might be a little bit more familiar with this, the Hare Krishnas. Ah, and these guys are just another version, big time, of Hinduism. Okay? Now, Hare Krishnas also go by another term okay, called Iskong. Okay, ISKCON is an acronym, and it stands for the International Society for the Krishna Consciousness. Okay, dates back about 1500 uh, in the 15th century, and how do you pronounce that guy's name? When Chai, yeah, yeah, the Chai guy. How about Chai guy? You guys want to do that? Works for me. Works for me. You look it up later. Chai Chaitanya Mahabrahu uh, first taught that uh, Krishna was the supreme Lord above every other god. Now we already saw Krishna was one of the Deities in Hinduism, one of the main deities, right? The difference with this guy, he says, oh, no, 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 this Krishna guy, he's really the top guy, right? So that's still the same thing, still Hinduism, but he's kind of spun off a little bit, known as this top guy, okay? And that was kind of one of his deviations there. Now, he also advocated a devotional method of faith where adherence to Krishna entered into a relationship with Krishna, expressing adoration to Krishna through dancing and chanting, Basically, to put it in a synopsis, Harry Krishna is the extreme charismatic form of Hinduism. It's about experience, it's about dancing, it's about chanting, it's about getting to an altered state of consciousness to commune with the deity. Okay, we're also going to see Lord William, probably not this week, but maybe next week, there actually is a charismatic element, okay, in Islam. Did you know that? We didn't really talk about that too much in our Islam study, okay? I did talk about the name, but we didn't go to it too much, and Lord willing, next week we probably will, okay? And that's out of the element, the smaller element of Islam, the Sufi uh, Muslims, okay? And they were called the whirling dervishes. You ever heard that term? And the whirling dervishes, you think, is, hey, those, those people, and they go round and round with their, their little skirt things, and it looks like a circle and looks really kind of cool or something, was, whatever. Well, I, I don't want to give it away too much, but... Next week, Lord willing, we'll get into it. But basically, you know why they're going around and around and around and around? Okay, it's a, it's a charismatic form of worship, even in Islam. But you keep going around and around, and I'm not making this up. You go around and around and around, guess what's going to happen? You start to have visions. <sighs> I kid you not, it's their version of getting into an altered state of consciousness. So we'll get to that, Lord willing, next week, okay? And so, so we'll see that. But these guys, Hare Krishna, basically to get an understanding, it's, it's just straight out of Hinduism, by and large, okay? A couple minor variation tweaks. Okay, which, remember, Hinduism allows. 330 different million gods, right? And just, hey, come one, come all, right? It doesn't matter. We're all getting there. You know, that's the Hindu mindset, okay? But these guys are, you got to really show it, right? The other ones, you just sit there in the lotus position, do your little thing and meditate. <laughs> these guys, uh-uh, the exact polar opposite. Let's get into it, uh, right? So, anyway, let's move on. Public displays of adoration earned a large following in sharp contrast to the dis passionate and aesthetic expressions which is common to hinduism so basically almost kind of like a reactionary movement right and some people would say that some of that's you know that's why people go back into the arms of sometimes the charismatic influence is because frankly you go to a church service today we're going to read ecclesiastes chapter 8 
who is like the wise man. Well, he ain't that guy, I'll tell you what. But anyway, that's why people, it's just, frankly, yeah, it is kind of boring. It's like there's lifeless. You don't even believe what you're teaching. It's like you guys can't get, hey, there's nothing more exciting than being saved, amen? Being saved from all of our sins, being, going to heaven and not hell. Woo! Being, I'm all for that, right? But you got so much deadness in churches today, and people are not passionate about God's truth. Unfortunately, bang, they go into a hyper-charismatic stuff, and they get involved in the other stuff. So two wrongs don't make it right. It's like, yeah, I agree with you, that pendulum over here, not a very good representation of true biblical Christianity. But don't go way over here. Right here. Right? Can, can, can you come with us right here? Okay. But that's what these guys are. It's kind of like a reactionary movement to the aestheticism in uh, Hinduism. Okay. Um, and, uh, but anyway, basically, uh, Krishna, as we know, very still basic Hinduism. Uh, Krishna is just another avatar, one of their classic deities. Okay, they also maintain the very similar scripture basis, if you will, their version of scripture, the Bhagavad Gita, uh, and again, heavy-duty reincarnation karma. So this is basically very much like uh, Hinduism. Now, their ultimate goal uh, is a transcendental, loving relationship with Lord Krishna. Now, Hari, in the Hari Krishna, is called the, uh, refers to the pleasure potency of Krishna. It's all about feelings, man. It's all, oh, wow, all right? And you look at, again, much of the, uh, some of the hyper-charismatic stuff, what is, what's it all about? It ain't getting in there, digging into the Bible. It's not becoming a mathetes, a disciple. Get out there in the world and make what? Disciples, discipline learners. It's nothing about that. It's not learning what you believe. It's not being able to learn so that you can give a defense for the hope that lies within you. It's none of that stuff. It's, oh, wow, man. Yeah, you hope it's Jesus. Right? But it's very similar. This is, again, the charismatic sect of Hinduism. Okay? Uh, and the devotion is expressed in chanting and dancing and, uh, and some, and this is their words, not mine, and some mystical expressions of Christianity, which also emphasize ecstatic experiences uh, and mystical transcendence. So even they admit it, it's just, whoop, just warmed over. Okay. Uh, in 1965, the Hare Krishna movement came to America by means of... You could look at my notes later. This guy's name has 41 letters in it and way too many consonants, Tom, <laughs> strung together. Yeah, oh yeah, I got that right. <laughs> anyway, that's who it came from. Anyway, so he was this aged Indian guy in 1965. He comes over here to promote this. Remember that's what they did? Remember we saw there on the videos? Right? They came over here to America to evangelize America. They said, oh, and the uh, Western missionaries went over there. Oh, you want to evangelize us? We're going to go get you. And that's what they've been doing ever since. And the Beatles helped them out. Okay, so he came over here. And uh, at the age of 70, he went to New York to popularize his views. Uh, it sprouted quickly because it was in the soil of the 60s. Right? Remember, there, there was a reactionary movement. Beatles helped to populate that, and we saw. And uh, Western values were being questioned, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, uh, Hare Krishnas, or ISKCON, Okay, is a wealthy organization today, having gained its wealth largely through soliciting funds and distributing their uh, literature, uh, including their periodical, if you remember those notes, uh, Back to Godhead. Okay, Back to Godhead. Pray for Ken. He's getting charismatic on us tonight there. And uh, obviously got bit in the head with a chicken or something's going on. As you can see over there, the camera can't see it, but uh, we'll pray for him. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later. But anyway, so, but uh, basically, uh, they, they're back to Godhead magazine. 
Okay, if you guys remember that from the video, and they pronounce it. Now, Harry Krishnas were so prevalent in public places, okay, some of you young whippersnappers may not realize this, but it wasn't that long ago, uh, that they actually, and that's why you don't see them as much today, they actually had to pass laws to prevent them from accosting people with their aggressive and imita- uh, intimidation demands of money. Remember that? And that was a common joke. Even on Johnny Carson, when they'd be talking about the Hare Krishnas in the, in the airport, right? They're always there with the top knots and the orange outfits and stuff. And remember what we saw there? They are actually encouraged to lie. Lie to your face to drum up money for their guru. Remember that? That's perfectly fine. Oh, we're here to, to, uh, for money to support Boy Scouts. Or uh, we're here raising money to get uh, people out of uh, Vietnam, lost veterans and stuff of that nature. Lie straight to their face. And out of that, they became extremely wealthy even to this day. Uh, Becoming a member involves choosing a guru and becoming his disciple. In fact, this is not really an option with them. A guru is, without the guru, they believe, without the guru, the cultivation of this Krishna consciousness, right, is, quote, impossible. So these guys, you have to have a guru, right? Now, what do we have in the scripture? Do we have to have a guru? Do we have to have a man to go through, a priest to go through? Do you guys got to go through to me, say, Jesus, please say no. No, we go what? Because of Jesus, directly to the throne uh, of God, okay? And, uh, and that's what they believe that they have. And it's not just you got to go through the guy. They literally believe that guy, the guru, is a god. Okay, as we saw before, that sets people up for, ooh, not just the false prophet in the future, but the Antichrist who declares himself to be God, right? People, he's going to be a type of a guru, so to speak, with this mindset. And Iskon pulls its members into a communal setting where, listen, all discussion and life is deliberately centered around Krishna. Very intricate rules are established, and these communities are made to make sure that all activity is Krishna-centered. So you can't think nothing but this. And basically create a commune. You can call it a commune all you want. It's basically a prison. And, and, and kind of like a mental prison. You can't think outside the box. You can't do nothing, right? And then they just get sucked in. That's a sign of a cult, okay? Uh, when we get to that section, Lord willing, in our notes, and start dealing with that as well. Now, we've probably got time to do uh, one more, hopefully, real quickly, and that's the fifth one, and that's what's called uh, uh, Taoism, okay, also spelled sometimes Taoism, Dao, uh, okay, as well, take your pick there, uh, but it's a religion whose ad- adherence, they're mainly in China, Malaysia, Korea, Japan, Vietnam, Singapore, uh, has the main area where it's got temples, but it's somewhat popular over here uh, in the West as well. Now, Taoism has its own set of scriptures, okay, they refer to it as the Tao. That's right, Tao, Debbie. You got that right. Uh, Taoism. And it's Tao, not Tao. Right, you wipe something. No, it's Tao. Okay, Taoism. Uh, okay, and uh, they got some other texts that are included in the full spectrum of all their texts. It's called the Tao Zong. Okay, now, the word Tao, okay, the T-A-O part, okay, uh, is basically a Chinese character, okay, that they have there and uh, in their alphabet, and it means a way or a path. So basically, Taoism is the way. The path, well, excuse me, what's the Bible say? Who's the way? Jesus. Who's the only way? And the truth and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but by him. It's Jesus, not this. So that's the root of this word Taoism is this is the way. Oh, no, it's not Jesus. This is the way. Right? Now, it's never been unified into a religion technically, but they divide it in a couple different categories. Philosophical Taoism, religionous Taoism, and Chinese folk religion. It's kind of like an ancestor worship. Because uh, we all know the Bible wants us to communicate with dead people. Wrong answer. It's called necromancy. Okay, because of this, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly what they believe, uh, but roughly stated. Now, we're going to probably have a whole study on this issue, but this is going to start to sound familiar like some very popular movies. Taoism, 
roughly stated, deals with the flow of the universe. The force behind the natural order that keeps all things in balance and in order. And it's the source of existence and non-existence. Some religions refer this to the yin-yang principle. You guys heard of that? That's where it comes from. Okay. Which can express itself through equal forces of good versus evil. Now, what does that sound like? It's exactly like Star Wars. Okay. And they even take it a step further. We've got this nifty machine that we can put up to you. And take a blood sample. And we can measure your mitochlorians. And to, if it goes off the chart, then you could really manipulate this force, this Taoism. It's Taoism. It's all it is. Put to a movie. Popularized. Okay. And again, we're going to have a whole study, Lord willing, just on that. Now, most adherents of Taoism believe uh, anything from polytheism, i.e. many gods, to ancestor worship. Uh, they tend to worship mostly on holidays in their calendar when food is set out to sacrifice to the gods or the spirits of departed ancestors. What? Okay. Open your Bibles real quick to Deuteronomy 18. Let's get this one clear. I quote it all the time, but let's just take a look at it real quick. Is that something we should be doing? I don't think so. Uh, God's got some pretty plain language for it. Uh, Deuteronomy 18 and uh, verse 9. And uh, God clearly condemns this practice. He says this, verse 9, When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways. What kind of ways? Optional ways, different way. No, notice the word detestable. Very strong word. Detestable ways of the nations there. Deuteronomy 18, 9. Okay, let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter into the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or cast spells, who is a medium or spiritist or who consults with the dead. Anyone who does these things is what? detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You, though, must be blameless before the Lord your God. So obviously, this is something that God condemns. You don't sit there and try to communicate with dead people. Why? Because you're in heaven. Praise God. You stay in heaven. Anybody say amen? Anybody glad you don't get kicked out? Praise God, all two of you. Anyway, uh, and uh, but it's also just as bad when you go to hell. I mean, it's just it's, uh, uh, eternal in hell. Okay, uh, heaven is good, but hell is bad. But you don't get out. There is no second chance. You're not coming back. Okay, but that means you don't communicate. So if something shows up on the scene, because I'm not saying sometimes people hear things, see things. I think they do. But the scripture is clear. It's not your loved one that came back. That's a familiar spirit. It's a demonic spirit deceiving you. But these guys promote this in their religion. Okay, they're departed answers. Now, other forms of sacrifice include, listen to this, burning paper money. So it will rematerialize in the spirit world for the departed ancestor to use. Well, that ain't much of a heaven. If you got to wait for a paycheck, come up from your family. <laughs> Hope you get along. <laughs> Reed, come on. I'm sorry I said that. What you, come on, give me five bucks. Burn it quick. <laughs> Can you believe what? Now, this still goes on today. Okay, this still goes on today because I, I shared this before, but even when I was in New York uh, pastoring there, and a lot of Catholicism in that area, and we'll probably hit this when we get to that chapter, Lord William, start at 5,222. Uh, but uh, uh, there were still people doing that. Still people doing that today. Because this one funeral, if you gave, they had these prayer cards, these Catholic prayer cards, and, and you think, well, it's for the people that died. No, 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 no. If you put the, the name of your deceased loved one on there and give it to the priest with money, had to give money, then he will pray special prayers that will shave off time for your loved one in purgatory. Still goes on today. This isn't make-believe. 
And same thing, it's like burning up. It's like, you might as well just flip your five bucks on fire. Okay, but, uh, but anyway, so let's move on. But that's another thing that they do. Uh, a number of martial arts. We're going to have a whole chapter probably just on that. Uh, and disciplines such as Tai Chi uh, have their roots in Taoism uh, as well. And what we're going to see is what is this chi? Well, the chi is basically the force. Okay, as we'll see in a little bit. Now, let's, let's talk about the yin and the yang. We're going to finish up hopefully on Taoism, then we're going to get into Shintoism. Uh, Lord willing, next week and on and on it goes. But now let's get into that yin-yang principle. You guys know that? It's basically that circle and it's got the little squiggly thing and one side's whatever and what. Okay, that's that thing. Uh, the yin-yang, that's a, the philosophical idea to explain opposite forces. Again, now let's go back to mindset Star Wars. Right? Okay, opposites. Forces are interconnected and interdependent upon each other. Not just opposite. They kind of work together and cancel each other out, keep it balanced. That's what they believe. Black, they say, cannot exist without white. Dark without light. Cold without heat. Here comes Ruth. Act. Okay. The yin-yang concept is the basis of many branches of classical Chinese science, uh, traditional chi uh, Chinese medicine, different forms of Chinese martial arts, and exercise, again, including Tai Chi. Uh, much of it is, uh, deals with the, quote, flow of the universe, the force behind the order of things to keep it in balance and order. The yin-yang principle. Okay, Taoism and the yin-yang concept are directly contradictory to biblical Christianity. While it is true, listen, here's a major difference. This is not at all Christianity. It's not at all what the Bible teaches. It is true that evil would not exist without goodness. How would you know if it was evil if you didn't know what good was? However, think about it, it the reverse is not true. Goodness can and does exist without evil. Evil is not required to understand good or to have good. A doctor does not have to have asthma in order to know how to treat asthma. Rape does not have to exist in order to understand the joy and the intention that God has for sex. And the holiness of God is eternal, complete, and undivided. God's righteousness has no admixture of sin, and there is no balance, there is no integration, there is no interdependence between God's holiness and evil that exists in the world. That is blasphemy. But yet you look at many people's conception of God and the devil... And I think a lot of it's this yin-yang thing. I think it's a lot of a Star Wars mindset. Well, God, I sure hope he can somehow maybe you know, defeat the dark forces of the evil one. Maybe, and this, I hope, and we, blah, and, you know, and then some people in the charismatic community, well, if we pray these prayers and dance this way and do this, and we can do, you ain't going to do squat. Our power comes from the authority in the name of Jesus Christ, period. And then when you compare God, the biblical God, to Satan, he is just a tiny rat flea. Not even close. There's no balancing thing at all going on there. You know, what's the scripture saying? Peter says, he, Satan, he, roar, he, he goes around roaring like a lion. Colossians says that Jesus whooped him on the cross. He defeated him. He's defenseless. He's fangless, right? I always had an instructor, you want to know a good biblical definition of Satan, right? Okay, he's real, so don't deny it. But he says, basically, he's a, he's a toothless, fangless lion. He says, you want to do it? And you couple that with 1 Peter, when he says he roars like, he's not even a lion. He, he's like a lion without teeth. He roars like a lion, but he's not even a lion. Compared to what Jesus did to him, he's just like a fangless, toothless uh, lion with just a bunch of gum on a rat body. And if you saw that coming at you, what'd you do? Get out of here, you little rat-headed, roaring like a... Not at all like yin and yang. Not at all like the Star Wars mentality. But how many Christians, even today, kind of have that mindset? And they're running from that when God says, excuse me, I am God. Besides me, there is no other. You don't, 
greater is he that is in me than he is in this world. <laughs> what do you run scared for, right? Okay, it's not all I got. Now, let's uh, finish up with this. Uh, oh, chi, 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 chi. Chi, 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 No, what was that? Was it was a pet thing. We got to cut out. <laughs> no, yeah, I can't get to I can't rush through this because if we're going to see the chi thing, the chi thing is basically their term, okay, again, for the force, as in Tai Chi. Okay, but you're also going to see that they promote this in another way. Of all places, okay, uh, it's in through interior decorating. And it's this belief system that's based on this chi principle, the yin-yang principle, this manipulating of the force to optimize what's going on in your universe. Okay, and that's the, the teaching of what's called feng shui, or however you pronounce that. Okay. And, uh, but that's big in uh, decoration, right? You've got to have things in the right way. And it's, it's a Star Wars mentality. Now, Lord willing, also next week, we're going to get into the sixth one, Shintoism, okay? And that's a, just a Japanese worship, the Japanese people, Japanese land religion, okay? But you're going to see that, believe it or not, you say, well, that's kind of weird. Who'd ever fall for that? Well, a lot of people are. You know why? Because they promote it outside their country through anime, the cartoons, their version of cartoons, okay? Pokemon. Uh, Yogi-O, the other one's from a more teenage version, older version for the Pokemon. Okay, it's promoted. Manga, that's their version of a comic book character, which is a lot of this stuff is also based upon. But it is the spiritism from Shintoism that they use to promote into the minds of people even here in the West. So very slick in these things, and unfortunately, a lot of people are falling for it. So Lord willing, uh, we'll get to that next week. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy, we're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay? Well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, 
has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that, and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a of death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it. If he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell, and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. 
And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.